listening to this week's message from Freedom Church. For more info on Freedom, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening. We are in a series right now called Good Song, Bad Theology. And I was talking to one of my friends this week and I thought, you know, this is, this is going to be a fun, fun series. Like really light and airy. We've been kind of deep in the last few series. And he was like, light and airy? Bro, you've been crucifying me every week. You know what I'm saying? So um, I, I, hope, I hope you're at least having a little bit of fun with this. Um, how many of y'all were singing umbop all week last week? Some of y'all are like, please, why did you even say umbop today? Come on, umbop, bop, bop, doo, da, da, umbop. Kid, eight years old singing that song. He don't know nothing about no umbops. You know what I'm saying? But, um, but today, um, uh, we, we did I'm Gonna Miss Her, and then we did umbop. But today I got something for you today. You know, um, music has a unique power over us. Have y'all figured that out yet? Um, music can really do some stuff. It can radically change how you feel at a given time. In fact, I'm going to prove it to you right now. Um, hit me with that first clip, Ryan. All right, how many of you all of a sudden got very somber and you started thinking about family members? Like I think of one specific family member. I think of my meemaw when I hear that song. And uh, I'm sad now. At some point, I know I'm going to hear that song. And while she's, while she's not going to be here with us, I know she's going to be enjoying the beauty of heaven. Like, does anybody else try to evoke sadness out of you? Okay, what about this one? Hit me with the next one. Uh, come on, turn it up, man. Turn it up. Cut the music up, DJ. All right, see, sadness is gone now. I'm happy now. I mean, I'm thinking a little means, you know, like it's, that's how they go, by the way. Um, uh, what about this one? Come on, y'all. All right, cut it out. They're going to think we're back at the honky tonk. This ain't rowdies. All right, y'all, calm down, everybody. Oh, we were like, whoa, how's my music? Music can take us back, though, to a time and a moment. And when we hear the notes, we remember exactly how we felt as if we were literally right there again. You played lightning crashes uh, by live, and all of a sudden, I'm driving my Camaro to Seth Martindale's house. I just remember every detail of it, every little detail of it. This is one of the reasons why worship music is so important in your life. You need worship music in your life. If you're not engaging in regular routines of worship, you need to. Well, I don't have a band. You don't need a band to worship. In fact, we were having this conversation earlier. This is hilarious about worship. You know, maybe this isn't your cup of tea, whatever. I can go anywhere in worship. Anywhere. I can be in the desert all by myself and worship. Throw some sand up in the air. Worship the Lord. Why? Because my relationship is the basis of worship, not the sounds that I'm hearing in my head. Okay, so we need to be sure that we're engaging in worship, a regular routine. Worship not only encourages your soul, but it centers you by placing Jesus in the right place in your life. When you're stressed on your way home from work, where am I stressed out on the way home from work, people? When you're stressed out, don't listen to the weather. Don't listen to the pop hits of today. Okay, Taylor Swift's got some really bad advice for you. Where's my wife at? Yeah, I said it. The anti-hero is not what you need to hear right now, okay? You, you don't need that. What you need, you need worship music. Why? It's because it will change your psyche by the time you get to your house. You know, you used to thank God for the very job that you're griping about now. Okay, all right, I love y'all. I love y'all. Um, there's a QR code that we're going to put up here. 
pull out your phone, shoot that QR code, and that will give you a link to our Freedom Church worship playlist on Spotify. Okay? Um, he's going to leave that up for just a little bit as we keep talking, but um, that's on Spotify. You know, some of y'all, I don't know, I don't know who does, does Android music or Apple music or whatever. Spotify is just what we made that playlist with, and so if you're like, well, I used Apple music, well, then make you one an Apple music, boo. Like, do your thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, like I got to pray for you too? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'll help you. Uh, but, but there's a, a link for that, so be sure to grab that. And he's going to leave it up there for a few minutes so y'all can grab this. Um, music is also something we turn to oftentimes when we can't find the words to describe how we feel in a situation. Anybody experienced that before? Like you listen to a song, you thought, oh, it's exactly how I feel. I felt that before. Sometimes when we're lost and we don't seem to know the way, music helps us. It comforts us in the middle of the confusion and, and, and in the middle of the waywardness. It's like there's a ray of wisdom and encouragement that comes to you in that moment, and, and that voice and that message tends to, to, to direct us, and it calms us. And you know, sometimes that's a good thing, but sometimes that's a really bad thing, okay? When you're sad and down and out because you and your old lady have been fighting, you don't need Merle Haggard, <laughs> you know? You don't need the possum. You don't, that's not what you need right then. You need something that tells you, number one, you made a promise. That's the first thing. You stood before God and people and you said, I promise through good times and bad times. Well, everything that's wrong is their fault. Really? Like it's never just one person. It's always the both of you. Maybe that got more problems than you got. I hear you. But how about you fix the log in your eye and let Jesus take care of the speck in their eye? That's kind of what we're talking about here. Maybe you've had a hard time in your life. You've, you've had this moment where you felt direct, directionless. Or at the least you didn't know how to solve whatever major issue that you are currently facing. And, you know, maybe that's you right now in this moment. So what do you do when this happens? I think people tend to do one of three things, maybe all of them. They rush to three things. Number one, what we, what we feel. Number two, what we want. And number three, what we see is the path of least resistance. Now, if you want these notes, be sure to download that Version Bible app. Click events. Freedom Church is right there. Save that so you can go back and look at this stuff because this is going to be beneficial to you. What we feel, what we want, and what we see is the path of, least, path of least resistance. Okay, so first, what we feel. It's easily one of the worst things in the world. Okay, feelings are so fickle and they are incredibly circumstantial. If you're being directed solely by how you feel, don't expect good things, just expect work. Some of you be like, but, but I, I'm, a, I'm an emotional person. How's that working out for you? Because what happens, like, I'm an emotional person, too. I've already cried, and I haven't been preaching for 10 minutes yet. I've already cried. I can think about my meme on, go rest high. Thanks, Vince Gill. You know, but it's, like, but it's like when I'm led by emotions, what tends to happen is whatever I'm feeling at that moment is what I run with. Uh, you make me mad, oh, we're going to run with anger for a little bit. You make me upset, what am I going to do? I, I might reach for vengeance. This depends on how I feel right now. And it's always, your feeling is always about your circumstance around you. Let's uh, live in life as a thermometer. You're supposed to be a thermostat. You're supposed to change the environment, not to, to succumb to the environment. Yes, yes, yes. So why should you expect work? It's this, because instability that comes with feelings means you're always having to shoot at a moving target. So you either have to be an expert marksman or else bring stability to the target. How do you bring stability to the target? It's very easy. Stop letting how you feel drive. Don't rush to feelings the moment you don't know what to do. The second was what we want. That's acting based on what you want 
in a, um, acting based on what you want in a directionless moment is always a bad thing. Why is that? If you're directionless, you, by definition, don't have a clue what you want. Have you ever made a decision based on a moment of, of confusion and instability and then thought like, what was I even thinking? How, you don't know what you want, but you're going to make a decision that changes your entire life based on something. Like, come on, man. If somebody else were doing that, you'd be like, bro, what is your problem? But we do that, and for some reason, we can't see through the weeds, and we can't see the logic of it. Do you know why you need people in your life? Do you know why you need to come to church and have relationships with people who love God and, and love you and know God and know you and have your best interests in mind? It's because you can't see all the dumb stuff you're doing. You can see it in somebody else, but we can't see it in ourselves sometimes. So we often make decisions based off what we think we want, only to find out what we wanted was not what we needed. So to stop this, we just have to abandon our will and embrace God's will. Well, that's real easy to say, isn't it? Oh, God, I'll just do whatever you want me to do. Okay, what I want you to do is um, quit that job. Um, What I want you to do is I'm going to need you to stop hanging out with that person. But I can save them, okay? That kind of evangelism typically doesn't work, okay? But I'm I'm, I'm not drinking when I go to the bar. I'm just witnessing, really. How come you know more about Sam Adams than Jesus did? Come on, like, huh? All right, I'm playing. Exactly, thank you. Thank you that one person said, who is that? That's exactly right. He's a founding father. That's who he was. Here's the, here's the problem, is that whenever we chase after what God wants instead of what we want, it means that we have to sacrifice our flesh, and our flesh does not like that. Your flesh likes what it likes and it wants what it wants. And so if you're going to become who God created you to be, it's going to be daily crucifixions at your house. What we see is the path of least resistance. That's the third part. If given the choice, your flesh will always pick easy over hard. Easy gratifies the flesh, but hard means delayed gratification. In over 35,000 locations in 119 countries, McDonald's sells on average one billion meals per day. A billion meals a day. Why is that? It's simple. Easy is way easier than hard. Come on, parents, toddler parents especially. I'm talking to you. How much easier is it to door dash some chicken nuggets than to make a home-cooked meal? You see these people on TikTok. They're like, oh, they're, they're making pizza, but they're making the dough from flour. What, what kind of life are you living, fam? Like, what are you doing? You know, we, we don't have time for that. So what we do, we do the easy thing. Now, I'm not busting on your nugget buying. Like, we do that too at our house. Um, but easier is way easy, easy is way easier than hard, isn't it? How many of you have done the easy thing and have gotten the hard results? Like, typically what happens is when we do the easy thing, we get the results of an easy thing. But whenever you do a hard thing, you get the results of a hard thing. And the results of the hard thing are always more lasting. They're more beneficial. They mean more to you. Come on, somebody give you $100 versus you making $100. You have that $100 that they gave you. We'll spend it on anything. Oh, somebody selling tamales? I got you. Somebody, like, oh, see a little doodad at Walmart? Oh, I want to get that. But if you make that $100, before you spend it, you think about the sweat drips off of your brow that it took for you to get that $100. See, the easy thing is easy to spend. The hard thing is not so much. Why? Because easy is easier than hard. There's a Bible story that highlights these three. It's a story about how a person felt, what they wanted, and the easy path they took to get there. And I know you've all heard it. It's in Luke 15. We're going to read 11 through 24 here. 
This is the story of the prodigal son. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of my property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and moved out, uh, and took a journey into a far country where he'd squandered his property in reckless living. And when he'd spent everything, a severe famine arose uh, in that country. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the field to feed his pigs. Y'all, y'all remember about pigs, right, when it comes to Jewish culture? And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. Let me just stop right here for just a second and let you know that when you pick the easy thing and the thing you feel and the path of least resistance and what you want in that moment, what you end up doing is you begin to crave the things that you swore you would never want. I'll never be like my dad. I'll never be like my mom. I'll never treat people that way. Go ahead and pick easy and fast and what you want based on how you feel and the easy, the path of least resistance and watch what you're longing for. But when he came to himself, I love that phrase. One of the best phrases in the whole Bible. Some of y'all just need to come to yourselves right now. Some of you just need to realize who you are and who you belong to. Come on, you're sons and daughters of the Most High God. And whatever mess that you're in right now, sometimes it just takes a moment of awareness of who you are, not what you have or what you don't have or what they're not doing or what people aren't saying to you or the attaboys you're not getting. Sometimes you just need to remember, I'm a child of God and my dad, even the servants in my dad's house are working working out better than I am. Sometimes you need to have that moment. He said, how many of my father's hard servants have more than enough bread, but I here perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. Anybody ever made deals with God? That when I come back, I'll, hey, God, if you'll do this, I'll do this. I love the fact that when he rose and came back to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and had compassion in his heart for him. And he ran out and embraced him and he kissed him. He welcomed him back before he ever heard the deal. You know why? Because your daddy don't care about your deal. He doesn't. Your father in heaven is not concerned about the little deal that you're making to get back with him. All he cares about is my boy is home. The son said to the father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quickly, bring the best robe. I love the father ignored him. He ignored the the pleas of the son in that moment. And he put it on him and he put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate. For this is my son. Who? My son. Not this vagabond who wasted my property. Not this loser who shouldn't even be in my house anymore. Hey, come on, some of y'all, not this disappointment. His daddy didn't call him a disappointment. He didn't call him a loser, a vagabond. He didn't even call out the fact that he was actually living recklessly. He just said, my boy is home. My son is home. Some of y'all need to hear that, that your heavenly father does not look upon you and think, you know what, you're worthless and I don't even know why I'm giving you any time. He's not enduring you he wants you in his home this my son was dead and is alive again he was lost and is now found and they begin to celebrate you see this this story it has in it a confused son who had no clue what he really wanted in life and so rather than honoring his father and choosing things wisely he followed his feelings he followed his wants he looked for the path of least resistance and it led him to destruction 
The father did not want that for the son. But the father couldn't make that decision for the son. And you know something? You were in that same boat. God wants his best for you. But he can't make you choose his best for you. If there were only a song that we could learn from today that talks about a wayward son. What a segue. All right, let's play it. Carry on my wayward son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry no Tell me you like it. Like, man, come on. Like, even if you don't like the genre, that man, the guitars and all that, uh, that's all right. That's all right. So you are thinking, like, okay, you said good song, bad theology. Now, it's a good song, all right? If, if you don't get to toe-tapping with that, like, if you don't see yourself riding across, like, Death Valley on a motorcycle, like, come on, what's wrong with you, man? Like, that's, that's awesome, right? Well, this song is interesting because there are a lot of, of various facets that we could really hit today. I mean, like we could really talk about a lot of stuff with this. But uh, you have here a person, they are clearly confused. They're clearly confused. They're making decisions and taking steps really based on the three things that we talked about earlier, aren't they? There, and there are a few things to draw out from this song today, especially in terms of the prodigal. So I want to hit a few of those today if we can in the remaining time we have. Number one is this. Hey, you always have a choice. You always have a choice. 
Um, we a lot of times see a point like this in the context of like sin and temptation. You know, there's the verse that says in First uh, uh, Corinthians ten thirteen, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, He will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Now, I had a revelation about this a few years back, and I've shared it with a lot of our men in our men's group, but here's the revelation. I always thought that when, when I was being tempted with sin, that God would kind of like give me a way out as far as like a door of maybe something else to do or something like that. I always saw of, as an activity as the way out of that specific, specific situation. Like if you're tempted to look at something online that you shouldn't look at, well, go get up and do something else and that'll get your mind off of it, right? That's what I always thought. I've had a realization that I don't think that's what it is. Why would God talk about his faithfulness in the context of being tempted? I think it's because as sin is running at you, trying to tempt you to do the wrong thing, if you will open your eyes, you will see faithfulness running right alongside of it. And what you always get as a way of escape is your choice. You always have a choice. Well, I'm between a rock and a hard place. You have a choice. Pain now or pain later. Pick your pain. It's like the theme of the fall, I think. Pick your pain. You have a choice, but you can choose God's faithfulness over that temptation, right? Well, with temptation and sin, you have that choice, but that choice extends beyond to choosing good or bad, righteousness or sin. You can spend your life wondering, looking for direction, or you can choose God and his plan for your life. This is a choice. Well, I, you know, I got myself in this mess, Jesus, I'm going to figure it out. Okay, you got yourself into this. And somehow, miraculously, you're going to make all the perfect choices to get yourself out of it. Is that likely? Here's what the guitarist and chief songwriter, his name is Kerry Livgren. Here's what he said. I've always been on a spiritual sojourn sojourn, looking for truth and meaning. It was a song of self-encouragement. I was telling myself to keep on looking and I would find what I sought. Let me ask you a question. How long? How long are you going to look? Let me ask you another question. What kind of plan is that? I mean, that's a crazy plan. Listen, the, the same guy who wrote Carry On My Wayward Son, which is that guy, his name is Kerry Livgren, he also wrote these words. Listen to this. Same old song, just a drop of water in an endless sea. All we do crumbles to the ground, though we refuse to see. Now don't hang on. Nothing lasts forever but the earth and sky. It slips away. All your money won't, uh, won't another minute buy. Dust in the wind. All we are is dust in the wind. All we are is dust in the wind. Come on, y'all know it. This song came years after Carry On My Wayward Son. Okay, um, one question. How is that all that wayward wandering and directionless living working out for you? That gets you to a point where you say, you know what? It's not worth it. You're just dust. Isaiah 43 and 1. What, is, what does God say about who we are? If you've, if you've seen The Chosen and you've seen season one, episode one, you're about to get really excited because here's what the Lord says. But now says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by name. You're mine. Why is that so important? It's, it's because the same God who created you, the same God who formed you, and who redeemed you, and who called you by name, the same God has a plan for you. He's got a plan for your life. And that plan is not wandering aimlessly through life, hopefully finding some positive conclusion. That's not his plan for you. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. 
So what's my encouragement to you? It's this. If you're wondering and directionless and confused and hopeless, then let me lovingly encourage you to abandon the process of Kansas the band and embrace the plan that the Lord has for you. We're trying to create these plans. God has a plan for you. Well, every time I hear that, the preacher's on my mind, I got to preach and be in No, God has a plan for you wherever you are in whatever season of your life you're in. I don't even work in ministry. Great. Great. Do you know why? We need people out in the field. Well, I'm not called to ministry like y'all are, like you're witnessing all that. You know what? Do your job so well, people wonder, what is it about you? The Bible says that, that, that when you work as unto the Lord, that what happens is they see your good works and the response is they honor your Father in heaven. How could it be that you doing a job well can be a reflection of your Father in heaven? There's always going to be confusion trying to influence your decision. There will be malicious voices and kind ones, and they'll come in the form of family and in friends. You have to be careful. You have to be wise and shrewd because these voices will sound like the voice of reason and help, but they're the voices of abuse and manipulation. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, there are plenty of voices in your life right now that want to abuse and manipulate and keep you bound. And they come to you acting as if they are there to help you. I'm just here. I'm going to discover the problem in you, and I'm going to help fix that problem inside of you. And they will talk, 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 and they'll think, make you think that they're helping you. But what they're really doing is they're digging the foundation out from under you, waiting for you to crash and burn. And unfortunately, you can't tell that that's what happens until you crash and burn. We live in a fallen world, and as a result, we have no shortage of voices that are trying to influence what we choose to do. But hear me clearly. You always have a choice. A godly decision will always thwart a malicious voice. All these voices. Choose righteousness. Choose faithfulness. Choose godliness. Well, the people are talking noise at me at work. Be full of integrity. Don't talk back. Do the right thing. Well, well but, but everybody else is cheating. Why can't I cheat? Why? If I need to convince you not to cheat just because everybody else is cheating, then what are you standing on, bruv? Like, are you, is there anything in your life that's secure? Do you hold yourself to any moral standard? Sometimes, I mean, I know people who can make three times as much money, but they refuse to be dishonest. They refuse to do anything without integrity. And I'm going to tell you right now, I have more respect for a man or woman who will do the right thing and lose money than to do the wrong thing and to be rich as they can be. You know why? Because at the end, we're going to have to give an account for everything we do. Deuteronomy 30, 19 through 20 says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him, for he is your life and length of days. My goodness, he is your life and your length of days. You do have a choice to follow God's plan or to wander aimlessly. You, th- those voices are trying to influence those decisions. And whether you like it or not, guess what? Here's number two. You all, uh, you, you're following a voice. You are following a voice whether you know it or not. Voices vie for our attention to influence our decisions, to get us to do things. Political ads in 2022 alone reached an estimated $9.67 billion. I was talking to Monique yesterday 
the concept of a billion dollars is mind-boggling. If you had 999 million, 999,000, 999 dollars, and somebody gave you a dollar, you would be a billionaire. 999 million. That's insane. It's insane. But, but if you take that 999 million and then add a dollar and then multiply that times 9.167, that's how much money was spent just influencing you to who to vote for. And that's not in the last 10 years. That's this election cycle. That's the midterms, y'all. An average person sees around 10,000 ads a day. We learned last week that there are 86,400 seconds in a day. If you saw 10,000 ads today for only one second each, you'd spend 11.57% of your entire day just with people trying to influence your decision. And that's just advertising. Is that insane? It's crazy. Okay, what about spiritually? How many spiritual ads are you seeing every day? What voices speak the loudest in your life? That's a legit question. And this is something you need to think about this week. What voices are speaking the loudest in your life? For me, maybe it's my four-year-old. <laughs> but what about, what about internally? How about this? What voices do I listen to the most? What voices affect my decisions the most? Let me ask you this. Are you completely and totally lost when that one person you listen to the most is not speaking? What do we do? Well, we have to identify the voices. And listen, we talk a lot of theology here, but I also talk a lot of practicality because theology without practicality is worthless to you. You need to know how to put the rubber to the road. Let, let me introduce this graph. Ryan, do you have this graphic? Right here. God, our Father's voice versus Satan, our enemy's voice. Here's what it goes. God's voice loves you and is for you. Satan's hates you and is against you. God's voice stills you. Satan's voice rushes you. How many of you have felt rushed in this last week? That's the devil talking to you. How many of you felt comforted? Satan upsets you. All right, listen, this is one we get a lot of times con confused. Conviction versus condemnation. Conviction says, you did that. You shouldn't have done that. I forgive you. Let's work through this. Condemnation says, I can't believe you'd do something like that. That's the difference. It encourages you, God's voice. Satan's voice discourages you, um, leads you, hinders you, delights you, frustrates you, settles you, confuses you, helps you, troubles you, grows you, punishes you. Now, here's what I'd like you to do in this moment. We can easily see this. Keep this up there for just a second, but we can easily see this uh, in our relationship with God versus Satan. Now, I want you to scratch out God, our Father's voice, and then I want you to ask, and, and then scratch out Satan, our enemy's voice. And I want you to think about the voice that you listen to the most. Which column would it be on? Which column? Well, it'd be a mix. <laughs> the Bible says a double-minded mind, uh, double person is unstable in all their ways. So could it be that the voice you're listening to is creating instability in you rather than instilling stability into you? Could it be that you need to silence the voices that bring instability and embrace the voices that bring stability? Okay, that's what we need to do. That coworker that's always negative, learn how to put them on noise canceling in your, in, your, in your mind. Or how about this? Make it a game. Here's the game. You ready for this? Here's the game. Every time they say something negative, you say something that's positive about the situation. Woohoo! They'll stop talking to you real quick. Or 
or God will use your positivity to change their mindset. This is big, y'all. John 10, I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay my life down for the sheep and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there'll be not there'll be one flock, one shepherd. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. You are following a voice and you need to determine what that voice is. And if there's any other voice speaking to you that's not the good shepherd, you need to ignore it or at the minimum temper that voice with God's voice and his word. Now, let me tell you right now, some, of, some people love, I need a word. I just need a word from the Lord. I need a word. Constantly, they go to conferences. They go to, they go to a, a prophets and evangelists coming through. I just need somebody to give me a word. I just need a word. I need a word. Number one, you need to do what God's already told you to do. That's the first thing, because you might be waiting on a word that will never come because you're not doing what he already told you to do. So that's the first step. But the second thing is you always have to temper the word that you hear prophetically with the word of God. Because the word that you hear prophetically is subject to the word of God. Why? The spoken word is subject, uh, subjective to your experience and your perception. Well, God said this to me. It could be that God said that to you because you've had this experience and this is what you wanted God to say to you. There's something in theology we call exegesis and eisegesis. Exegesis is taking what the Bible says and actually letting the Bible say what it says. Eisegesis is whenever you read a passage of scripture and you interpret it based on what you want it to say. We do this with God's spoken word, too. But if God's spoken word is, is not completely lining up with his written word, the written word is eternal and is unchanging and will always win. Okay? Here's the last one. You have to break through the noise. Kansas said, Once I rose above the noise and confusion just to get a glimpse beyond this illusion, but I was soaring ever higher, but I flew too high. Though my eyes could see, I still was a blind man. Though my mind could think I still was a madman. Does that sound like a person who has risen above the noise and confusion? Listen to me. Don't believe a lie that just because you aren't confused that you're hearing clearly. I realize breaking through the noise can be another one of those churchy phrases. Let's just break through the noise and God will speak to you. <laughs> okay. Well, what does that mean? How do we do that? Well, Meaning, it's it, the meaning of breaking through the noise would be to weed through all the mess of the voices and the distractions, the hurts and the wounds of the past, through the anxiety and fear in the present to get to the truth of what God is saying and doing in your life. So how do we actually do that? Let me, let me quickly give this to you, and then y'all, we're going to eat, and we're going to eat good. Come on, who's ready for the food? Some of y'all are like, if you would hush up, we could eat that food. But listen, here's the thing, y'all. Y'all are going to go home today with full bellies. But I have not got done what God told me to do if you go home with empty spirits. Okay, so just lean in for these last few minutes because it's really going to be beneficial to you, okay? So how do we break through the noise? The first thing is the word of God. Hebrews 4, 11 through 13. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fail by following their example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and the spirit, joints and the marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him who he must give an account. Nothing cuts through the noise like the word of God. Okay, nothing does. Here's a simple fix. Rather than resorting to, resorting to confusion and to fear, bad choices based on fickle feelings, or jumping to inaccurate conclusions, first 
figure out what does the word say about my situation. Let me give you a really easy life hack. Go to Google and type, what does the Bible say about, and then put whatever it is. And almost always, the first link is the openbible.info. Click it and read all the Bible verses that have to do with that specific topic. Well, why do I need to do that? Here's why. Because you have voices that are yelling and screaming. But you know what's amazing about being able to read? Is that I can read something and ignore what's I'm, what I'm hearing. I can, I can be reading, and all of a sudden, when I'm reading it, start to recite it out of your mouth. You know why? Because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the words of Christ. And if you will read the word, all the fear and the confusion and the noise that you're hearing will begin to subside. Why? Because the word is cutting through the junk to get to the truth. That's what we need. The second one is this. It's stillness. We cut through in stillness. Psalm 46, 9 through 10. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know I'm God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Now, you might have thought, well, how come you didn't say the be still part? And it's important because I love the fact that before the stillness happens, God is working in your life to stop the war in your minds, breaking the power of of the the bows that are shooting arrows into your headspace. He's crippling the enemy in that moment. And then he invites us to be still. You're over here trying to figure out how to stop the violence and stop the war and stop the craziness. And God's just saying, if you will trust me, I will go into it before you even start the still process. I will stop the war in your life. If you let me, I will clean out the mess. I will will break the bows of the enemy. Why is that so important? It's because the last thing I need is to stop the stillness and then the war kick up again. I need the chariots crippled and the bows broken so I don't have to go right back into that craziness. It's in the stillness. When's the last time, rather than having a freak out moment, you quieted yourself and allowed silence to happen as you waited on the Lord to cut through the noise. Do you know something I used to do a lot of times at New Covenant? My office didn't have a window when I was at the South Campus, and thank the Lord when I went to the North Campus, and I was a campus pastor there, it had a window, and I loved it. But there were times when I would just get stressed with dealing with all the work and all the stuff. Uh, it's difficult a lot of times. I would walk outside, and I would face the sun, and I would sit there for just a moment and put my face to the sun and just be quiet. The, the sun rays would hit my skin and my body would begin to convert vitamin D and I would be energized and refreshed. And God made this world to be a blessing to us, people. Come on. And sometimes what you need more than anything is not the solution. Sometimes all we need to do is just walk outside and allow the sun to God, the sun to use the sun to restore us. It's in that stillness. And in that quietness, Satan tries to convince us that more thinking, more stressing, more worry is going to fix it. But God says, be still, be quiet, and think of one thing. He's still God. He's God of your eternity, God of your heart, and yes, even God of the situation you're dealing with. So sometimes the stillness is just taking a moment to realize that we aren't the superheroes that we think we are, but He is. Last one is in worship. Psalm 22.3, you are enthroned upon the praises of your people. Let me give you the context. Verses 1 through 2 says this, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? From the words of my groaning. My God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Anybody ever experienced that before? But then we skip verse 3, and then look at verses 4 through 5. 
in you our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. Wow. What happened? Is it bipolar or something? Like just a minute ago you're like, oh, I'm going to die. And now you're like, you know what? I trust you, God. I trust you. But nestled right in the middle of those two passages is you are enthroned upon the praises of your people. Notice the last two ver- the first two verses, the pain, the anguish, the indecisiveness, the stress, the wayward instability. Notice the last two verses, the resolve, the relief, the trust, the calm assurance that God would rescue. What happened? A little bit of worship in the middle. When you worship, you enthrone God. And when you enthrone God, you correct the order in your life and you clear off the seat that only He can fill. You don't put your stress and your worry in it. You put Him in it and you remind yourself and your problem that He is God. And the result is a good decision based on God's voice breaking through the noise. Why? Because you took some time and just said, you know what? Over everything, over this situation, over my brokenness in my family and my inability to figure out the problem in my job, you are God and I worship you and I bless you. You've been good before. You've been good, you've been good to my parents. You've been good to, to their parents. I'm going to trust you that you're going to be good to me. You say you never change. You're the one that said that, not me. You said that your faithfulness endures generation upon generation. So I'm going to stand in the midst of this moment, in the midst of the chaos and the instability, and I'm going to delight myself in you, Lord, because you are worthy. Do you feel it even now in your spirit? So where are you? Are you, are you calm? Are you assured? Are you victorious? Or are you stressed and weary and wayward? Weariness is the result of waywardness, but peace is the result of stability. Jesus told us in Matthew 11, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and you will learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let me read it out of the message. Now listen, I don't... don't, expect you to build your theology based on the message because it's the paraphrase of the Bible. But sometimes it can help us understand things in a different light. Here's what the message says. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. How do we do that? I thought about that question, and here's what I came to. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced and kissed him. The solution for waywardness is simple. You just... You just need to run to the arms of your father. And that's what I'd invite you to do today in this moment. Would you bow your heads for just a moment? I just want you to block out the distractions right now and clear through the noise right now in this moment. Maybe you're here and you recognize your waywardness and you know that you haven't said yes to Jesus and you need to give your life to him. Now listen, I know a lot of times we say that to people who are fresh and new to Jesus. And I'm, I'm talking to you today. If you feel a burning in your heart and you know you need to give your life to him, that, to, to stop your waywardness, you need to get your life right. Then it's very simple. 
All you have to do is say this. Jesus, I confess you as Lord. I believe in you. I believe you're Lord. I believe you died on the cross and that you were resurrected. I receive you right now in the name of Jesus. If you say that and you mean it, God means it. And the Bible promises you're saved. You're a new creation in this moment. But I want to even talk right now specifically to those people in the room, maybe that you're watching online, and you've lived this Christian life your whole life, but you've never really given Him everything. You've never really made Him Lord. It's just been a charade. It's been a a thing you're supposed to do. Maybe it's something you did to make your mama happy. Get your life together. Wayward son, wayward daughter. Say yes to Jesus. Maybe in this moment you need to just give your father the thing that you've been carrying. But if I give it to him, I'm not going to have control over it. (laughs) Yeah, your control hasn't really gotten you to a good spot, has it? So let's not do the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Let's give it to the Lord. And then lastly, maybe you just need to hear God's voice today. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to, I want you to, in your mind's eye right now, imagine just the sea of people in front of you. And I want you to imagine you slowly just pushing the people away to the right and to the left and just getting to your father who's back there just wanting to speak to you. I want you to know it's not always people. Sometimes it's sin that's keeping you from hearing your father. Repent. Say I'm sorry and then turn away from it. That's repentance. I don't know how to turn away. Talk to somebody before you leave today and we'll help you turn away. This is what the body of Christ is for. Father, I pray for your precious people right now. Father, I'm asking that you would speak to them in this moment. Holy Spirit, cut through the noise and let them hear your voice. Cut through the noise. Father, we run to you right now in this moment. We embrace you. No deals. No, no, if you do this, I'll do this. None of that mess. We're just running back to the Father. We're not going to be wayward anymore. We're going to choose your plan. And so in our last moment here, just take a moment. And if you're at liberty to do this, just say, God, I choose your plan. Like, just tell him like, in your own way and in your own moment here. God, I choose your plan for my life. I don't always know what that looks like. I don't always know what that means, but I choose you. Jesus, we thank you for it. In your name I pray. Amen. At Freedom, we want to help you have authentic relationships with God and His people, to have real experiences with the Holy Spirit, and to find lasting freedom. If the Holy Spirit speaks to you through this message, or if you want to make a decision for Jesus, please reach out at freedomdl.com slash connect. For more info on Freedom, including service times and location, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening.